Hello and welcome to Up Nerd. This is the first episode of Fine You Pick. This is one of the two flagship shows on Up Nerd Podcast Network. And I am mercifully not alone for this delightful journey. I am joined by my co-host today, Abby. Say hello. Hello. I'm Abby. Beautiful. What is the over-under on one of the cats interrupting us repeatedly during this? Oh, boy, buddy, I don't know. What do you think the over-under is on you interrupting us and sitting on my keyboard, huh? Okay, well, we're off to a great start, then. We can collude. We can collude. Well, he can make about as much sense of the plot of this movie as anybody. I bid 1,200 quatlus on... Basil interrupting the show with meows. It's also a safe bet, depending on on how weird this gets, because it's a weird movie. This is the first episode of Find You Pick. Find You Pick was conceived sort of by the both of us, but frankly, a lot of that was me. Because let's be honest, anyone who's been in a relationship before, there's some cornerstone films or TV shows, you would really like the other person to watch. And sometimes it can be difficult to convince them. Sometimes you have a favorite science fiction book and TV series, and this other person would probably enjoy it. But bafflingly, they just refuse to, despite you, because they're awful people. So Fine You Pick is a show I conceived for all of us. Thank you. Yes, for all you soon-to-be-single people out there, this is for you. So first of all, you came up with the idea. This is your idea. Yeah, but we were talking. We were well, we, we had dis- we had discussed top three, bottom three, which is an idea I came up with years ago with somebody else who we will talk to on that show. It was somebody point. else. Yeah. I just I hope you know that there is a, just a whole a whole host of things that I am very much into. Yeah, that's fine. That, uh, the purpose that, of this show is to. Be. The purpose of this show and top three, bottom three, is to kind of get people out of their wheelhouse a little bit. It is not to torture the other person, but this week it could be, because the film in question this week is Highlander 2, The Quickening. Why Highlander 2? Well, you hadn't seen it. It is one of the greatest in the pantheon of bad movies. It is one of the handful of films to achieve the coveted 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. And for a long time, it was the best warning we had about trying to cash in or continue a franchise that didn't need anything more. It is the sequel to the 1986 film Highlander. Highlander's tagline was, there can be only one. Highlander's story was the story of Connor McLeod, an immortal who is trained by Ramirez, played by Sean Connery. He ends up fighting the Kurgan for something called the prize. The Kurgan is another immortal. These immortals can only die when beheaded. It is, frankly, a really cool idea. But the tagline of the movie was there can be only one. And the movie ended with Connor killing the last other immortal. How do you make a sequel to that? It would seem fairly definitively... That seems like a good place to end it, you know? It really was. It was a movie that is better than it had any right to be. It had an awful lot of charm. It is, I would argue, one of the quintessential 80s cult movies, and it's still very watchable today. And it is buoyed a million times over by an amazing soundtrack, because the entire soundtrack is Queen. Who wrote songs, like, for that, like... Yes. It's a kind of magic. 
is mm. the album from Queen. And it contains everything from the Highlander soundtrack, including Princes of the Universe, which is essentially the Highlander theme. It became the theme song for the television series and was used constantly in the franchise going forward and is perfect for it. Aside from a jukebox playing a bit of It's a Kind of Magic from the first movie, we don't hear any Queen in this one, which is sign number one that things are just going to be a disaster. Highlander 2 The Quickening was a 1991 science fiction film directed by Russell McCulhay. Russell would get removed during the filming. This stars Christopher Lambert and Sean Connery, who are returning from the original. They're joined by Virginia Madison, Michael Ironside, and John C. McGinley as Mr. Blake. John C. McGinley's Mr. Blake is the star of this movie, as we'll eventually get into. This was set in the year 2024, which at the time was future time. And it was shot almost entirely in Argentina before and after the country's entire economy crashed. Because of that, the film's investors and the Bond company took direct control of production and the editing. So this is what you get when we have the grim world where investors and large groups have creative control of the media. Uh They removed the director and all of his creative influence while changing parts of the story. The resulting film ends up contradicting the established canon of the first Highlander and all subsequent Highlanders, might I add, because it depicts the Immortals as aliens from the planet Zeist, and it has the inexplicable resurrection of Sean Connery's Ramirez, who died in the first movie, and it alters the entire concept of the Quickening. The Quickening is where one Immortal beheads the other and gains their power and knowledge to a certain extent. Highlander 2 is considered to be one of the worst films ever made. It was a gigantic box office bomb, grossing $16 million in the U.S. on a production budget of $34 million. Things went so poorly that in 1995, an alternate director's cut called Renegade Edition was released directly to home video that attempted to address the many, 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 many story problems including removing all mention of Zeist and the idea that Immortals are aliens. I would like to just uh, make mention here that Highlander 2, the renegade version, is free on YouTube with ads. So get cozy. It's a fun Saturday night, maybe. Who knows? It's available on Tubi. We watched it on Prime, so we didn't have commercials. The original version has been uploaded by people to YouTube and is the only way really to watch that anymore unless you have VHS. Because in 2004, there was a special edition DVD release, which was pretty much the same as the Renegade edition. Both of them are really the only ones in circulation anymore. So yeah, if you want to see the original, the only way to do it is on YouTube. All subsequent Highlanders... Highlander 3, The Sorcerer, Highlander 4, Endgame, uh, Highlander 5, The Source, which is actually less canonically concerned with anything, and surprisingly a much worse movie than this one. None of those movies take into account Highlander 2, they all ignore it and contradict it. The television series and its spin-off, Highlander the Raven, all also completely ignore Highlander 2, and that's probably for the best. The movie actually makes more sense in its original version where they're from the planet Zeist. The movie is about the year 2024 
Sometime between Highlander 1 and this film, the Earth's ozone layer was depleted. Connor, using the prize gained in the original, is able to build a shield with help from his friend Alan Naiman. The shield covers the Earth. By the way, this is after Connor's wife from the first one dies from exposure to the radiation which, frankly, was probably just a cheap way to write her out of the movie, but who knows for sure. Connor creates the shield. By 2024, where this movie is set, it is pretty much a dystopian city we see. Do you have any thoughts on Highlander 2 thus far? I, It's a lot to process. Yes. It is a lot to process, and we are like... You're about two minutes into the movie. Two. Yep. What's shocking, by the way, this movie opens with a whole whack of text, no narration, and no music. That is the calling sign of a film that turned out exactly the way the director wanted. It is a mess. The original version, everything is sort of out of order. I'm not going to talk too much about the differences. The movie's confusing enough as it is. We join Connor in the year 2024. The shield has made everything on Earth terrible. There are, quote, terrorist groups, unquote, attacking or looking into the shield corporation. That is the company that maintains the shield. Very creative naming, might I add. And extremely, extremely mood enhancing because it's as you say. So the climate change was bad. The sun was killing a whole lot of people because we ain't got no more ozone anymore. And you remember that? And then we fixed it with the Montreal Protocols. In any case. So, yeah. So, Connor is a smart boy now, and he helped make the shield, but the shield made everything still alive but awful. Everything's blue. It's funny because if you watch the other version of the film, everything is red. For whatever reason, this was one of the things that was changed between editions. Is that right? Yes. It is very odd. Connor, during all this, gets attacked from the past, which we will get into. Michael Ironside's character is General Katana, which is an atrocious name. Currently from the past, watching Connor on his Futurovision TV, Connor was booted into the future after attempting to overthrow the ruler of the past, General Katana. He and Ramirez are separated. We see them meet in the past which was supposedly their first meeting. So not Highlander 1, by the way, where we actually see their first meeting. I'm getting a headache thinking about this. This was... Yeah, I picked this. I know. I know. But it's an important awful, I think. Regardless of all of this, what happens is General Katana sends two complete dipsticks to the future to kill Connor. They fail miserably. Connor actually beheads one of them. He becomes young, quote-unquote, again. Connor somehow resurrects Ramirez... Katana, at this point, decides to take things into his own hands and uh, joins them in the future, which I guess is a thing. He tries to kill Connor, fails miserably. He does succeed, actually, in killing Ramirez, oddly enough, eventually, although it's a fan that does it. But oh, and, you mean, and like you somebody said, who enjoys things? Yeah, nobody enjoys this movie. No, that's not true. This can be a guilty pleasure. We'll get into that a little later. He's killed by fan. Connor succeeds in confronting Katana. They fight. He kills him. There can be only one again. And he deactivates the shield happily ever after. Exciting when you say it. Exactly. In terms of how the movie actually goes, there's no way to dress up the fact that the plot of this film is atrocious. I think it's important to mention here that, and you had to explain it to me, and I'm sure 
somebody or some resource had to explain it to you originally, and now you're passing that ancestral knowledge on. Whenever you say the past, there are scenes in the movie that look like they are in a different place, in a different time. They look like there's something out of Stargate. Yes. It looks like another planet. And that's when we say they're in the past, nay, nay, originally they were supposed to be on an entirely different planet called Zeist. Yes. But producers got involved. They said, no, 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 none of that science fiction stuff in our science fiction film. And instead now it's time travel. So any of the scenes that you may see that look like they're in a desert or on a different planet or that have suspiciously modern amenities and accoutrement for 5000 BC, it's it's not. It's we're, we're in the past. There's mastodons, I'm sure. There's dinosaurs. Who knows? Forget this whole different planet thing. It makes a lot more sense if you think about it as a different planet, but we're not on a different planet. We're in the past. This movie's not about making sense. This movie is about family and climate change. And subjecting your family to a mediocre film. And uh, a good, like, three weeks of me plotting which, 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 which is going to be my pick because you made me watch Highlander 2. You made me watch this twice, actually, which is the real thing. Although I have to say, I... I did not enjoy it the first time. I kind of really enjoyed it the second time. It's like, it's kind of an okay movie. It's not a good movie. It's not that bad. But it's not, like, the worst. It is the worst Highlander movie. It's not a good sequel. It's not a good movie. But it's not that bad. You know what I mean? Like, it's there are little touches of brilliance in here that we'll get into. Connor remembers the past at the opera. He goes sleepy time at some point during it, wakes up. We get introduced to Virginia Madsen's character, who they break into the S.H.I.E.L.D. Corporation. They discover that beyond the S.H.I.E.L.D., the ozone layer has repaired itself. Things would be good without the S.H.I.E.L.D., apparently. Things would be so good without the S.H.I.E.L.D., is what these eco-terrorists have determined. They're not wrong. It wouldn't have that horrible blue, blue hue to everything. Tobias Fuque life, if you will. If there's ozone, if the earth, if the earth has healed, if the earth is healing, what do we need the shield up for? And why wouldn't the shield corporation want to remove the shield? Ooh, mystery plot. It thickens. Let's go. Mr. Blake is evil, but that's something way later. Connor, having built the shield, he gets attacked. He discovers that the wound heals rapidly. That is because General Katana on the Future O-Vision has decided to send forward the two dumbest people he could find to try to kill Connor. They are named Corda and Reno, by the way. They are Saturday morning cartoon henchmen dumb. They have a cool look to them, though. They are delightful. Yeah, I really like... Just a delight. I like the goggles and the almost porcupine hair. They've got a good look. The fight scene with them has aged probably better than at least the original would have. If you watch the original, you will notice the wires are quite visible when everyone is flying around. In the Renegade edition, they have somewhat taken them out. You can still kind of see it and figure it out, but it's better. What's weird is as they're zipping around the city, so this is where I wanted to bring this up, they spent a ton of money on these sets, because frankly, everything looks great. For a movie from 1991 that was a gigantic bomb, it looks pretty good. Yeah, it, it actually looks like a movie. Like, it's, it's, it reminded me a lot of Batman, the, the 90s Batman's movies. 
that look, that sort of gritty Gotham look. I keep referring to the city as Gotham. It looks like that, and I, I, I think Batman came afterwards, but I would have sworn not. that the Batman came significantly sets were ahead. Being recycled, didn't it? No, Batman was nineteen eighty nine. This movie, it looks well, good, and that fight scene looked good. The effects are not half bad, and that is part of the reason why this movie's kind of enjoyable. Connor kills one of the two henchmen, and he suddenly becomes young Connor again, who looks mysteriously the same age as Christopher Lambert in 1990-91. Yes, yeah, so, so Tweedledum and Tweedledee, these two ding-dongs that have been sent forward in time by the evil General Katana, instead of doing it himself, are both also, quote, immortals. So because there are now immortals in this mortal realm, Connor who is now mortal because he killed all the immortals in the mortal realm, now becomes immortal again after killing the two ding-dongs that were also immortal. Makes perfect sense. It just works. So Louise is Virginia Madison's character. She had confronted Connor before the fight. She wanted to show him the data that, hey, you know, the shield should be deactivated. You should probably go do something about this. He just doesn't want to because he's a crotchety, cranky old man who doesn't think he can do anything useful. Connor kills the two immortal dimwits that were after him, becomes immortal again. He somehow is able to use the second quickening to resurrect Ramirez, who is played by Sean Connery, who died in the first movie. There was a lot of that. Connery, by the way, chews the scenery in pretty much every scene he's in and is kind of a delight in this, even if he probably shouldn't have been in the movie at all. His scenes are very fun. Yes. He was paid three and a half million dollars for this, which he would eventually donate to charity. It's like 10% of the budget, though. Ramirez gets resurrected. He has to find his way over to America to see Connor again, but at least there's another immortal on Earth, so Connor gets to stay immortal for a bit. Louise hops out of the dumpster she had been hidden in. By the way, beautiful. Just jam the pretty lady into a dumpster. Dumpster? We're gonna use the dumpster. She hops out of the dumpster she had been hiding in for the duration of the fight, and immediately gets it on with <laughs> the young Connor McLeod. I don't know. Was the alleyway just really romantic or i'm not clear does he does he have an animal magnetism Listen, i need to hear this from you to be fair he's like the bill gates of this world i which guess is, which is also odd like he is recognized on the street and people fear him she he called him an a-hole only a few minutes earlier though and yeah. just didn't really like the guy but as soon yeah. as soon as he gets to quickening she Look, wants the quickening i could have used it. a we gotta different quickly wrap up this film because the argentinian economy is not doing so hot and we spent 10 percent of it on sean connery yeah sean to connery. fly and give us some goofy comic relief which was also a delight delightful general katana comes from the past at this point connor had yes. no interest in going back in time to fight him Connor is mortal at this point. That was the prize at the end of Highlander 1. Once you kill all the immortals, you yourself become mortal, and then you can finally die. So eventually Connor does sort of point out that he didn't have to actually do anything. He comes back to do the job himself. I have so many questions about Katana. Katana ends up on a subway train and promptly... It's the best part of the film. It is. My problem with Katana is just 
some of the many problems with Katana. Number one, a lot of his scenes, frankly, are just cruddier versions of what the Kurgan got to do in Highlander 1. Kurgan was played by Clancy Brown, who is just incredibly charismatic anytime he is on screen or when he's doing voice acting. A lot of people who are younger and cooler than me will recognize him as Mr. Krabs in SpongeBob SquarePants or Lex Luthor in the Justice League animated series. Michael Ironside's character is kind of derivative of Clancy Brown's Kurgan, who drives around with Connor's girlfriend in that movie. The scene is somewhat similar to the subway scene. We also had an excellent scene with the Kurgan in a church, whereas in this one, we get a scene with Katana and Connor in a church, and it's not nearly as good, nor does it have as cool a song reference or lyric reference. Katana comes to the future. He has baffling knowledge. He knows about draft rules. He knows about the Wizard of Oz. I have a lot of questions. Did he just sit around watching Futurovision all this time? Can he watch any time? Does he have to watch an immortal? I don't know. He makes a bunch of references he should not have any knowledge of. He makes a lot of surprising pop culture references. He leaves the subway. He ends up going to the S.H.I.E.L.D. Corporation. And this is after a fight with Connor, which is excised from the original version of this movie. He goes to the S.H.I.E.L.D. Corporation, pays a visit to Mr. Blake. Mr. Blake is John C. McGinley's character. He is brilliant in this. He tries to talk like Orson Welles for some reason. The actor said it was a conscious decision, and he doesn't know why, and he wishes he hadn't. His character is fantastic in this. He is eating the scenery in a way that Orson Welles' Unicron from Transformers the movie would be jealous of. It, it really is something. And to get these two who are both hamming it up together, it's that part is fun to watch. As Ironside said... This was a, quote, stupid movie, unquote, and I might as well have fun and go as far over the top as I possibly could. Well, it feels like everybody leaned into that. It's one of those things that makes this more entertaining than if it was just a miserable movie with a miserable plot. He visits John McGinley's character, Mr. Blake. He sort of takes control of things there. Connor meets up with Ramirez again. They briefly fight, and then they chat and explain the whole immortal rules to Virginia Madsen's Louise, resulting in her the excellent line, Okay, let me just see if I can get this straight. You were mortal there, but you're immortal here, until you kill all the guys from there who have come here, and then you're mortal here. Unless you go back there, or some more guys from there come here, in which case you become immortal here again. Never has a film been summed up so concisely yet so confusingly and accurately it's it's interesting too because she keep the quote is so you're from there right implying like a place and not a time time frame yes the movie makes more sense if they're from zeist there are an awful lot of continuity errors in both as i mentioned before there's an entire fight between connor and katana that doesn't happen in the original version But it does get spliced into their final fight at the end of the movie when they're fighting over beam of light that represents how the shield sort of leaves the earth and forms. 
And this results in more hilarious continuity errors as everybody's weapon changes. Although, to be fair, it changes in the final version as well, too, which is pretty funny. Their weapons and positioning and where they are inside and out just sort of randomly changes. It is very worth watching if you're into film editing as an example of what not to do. Connor and Louise visit a hole in the shield. This is after they break into the shield company. Sorry, the shield corporation. They lose Ramirez as it was all a trap and they get trapped in a room with a fan. As in the thing that goes whoosh, not a fan of this movie, which doesn't really exist. Oh, come on. I thought you wanted this to be a positive podcast. That's true. Sorry. Sorry, Highlander 2. We're sorry, Highlander 2. With your 0% Rotten Tomatoes. Anyway. We we can apologize to you, Highlander 2. Why don't don't you try apologizing to us? Or forgiving yourself. They broke into TSC to talk (laughs) to Alan, not Alan Grant, but Alan Naiman. They get coordinates to a spot where there is no shield or where you can go above the shield, I should say. They go above the shield, find out, oh, hey, the atmosphere's back. We need to go shut down the shield. There was a fight scene between Katana and Connor on top of the truck they are driving out there, too, by the way. In more hilarious editing, Blake, in the original version, gets really mad at Katana because he essentially doesn't know where they're going, and they seem to have lost them. No, they do. He knows, They know exactly where they're going in the Renegade edition. I'm not sure why they left that in. Exit Blake, Katana kills him, which is very sad. Connor and Katana face off. There can be only one, and in the end, it is Connor McLeod. An upset, if ever there was. Who could have seen it coming? There was no reason to completely contradict the original, and in both versions, it still does that. It is baffling to me how it got to any stage of filming without anyone going, is this a good idea? Aside from the actors. Well, how do we know that, though? That's the thing. There doesn't seem to be that much information about what the process was, or what the ideas were, what the reason for making the movie was. Well, the reason for making the movie was, yeah, making money. They wanted to make this into a franchise, which, again, seems pretty difficult because it ends with there being only one. I guess they could have decided to bring more aliens from the planet Zeist. Again, going back to the original version. But I don't. If you think about it, though, that's actually kind of like an incredible setup to have a franchise go in perpetuity, right? So as as soon as your one Highlander, your can be only one guy, starts getting a little long in the tooth, you know, maybe he's asking for a little bit too much money, maybe he doesn't want to do the next film, you know, that's when the young up-and-comer, upstart, it's like the Doctor in Doctor Who, it just, it's just a new guy. The new one is, is uh, just a new guy, you can just keep it going. There are so many different versions of this film, though. There's even a British one where Louise and Connor go to Zeist at the end. The Renegade version has an additional 19 minutes of restored footage. The original version was 89 minutes long. The restored version is 109 minutes long. They move around an awful lot of things. They added the prologue text I mentioned. Everyone is having fun. So I mentioned before, this film can be a guilty pleasure. Everyone is having fun. The set design, frankly, is gorgeous. Just throughout the film, I think everything is constructed with a care that the rest of the movie does not have. 
Yeah, there's a whole lot. And it's, it's why I think on the second viewing, I appreciate it a little bit more. Because there's, if you look at it, there's actually a whole lot of very technical competence behind this. You know, right down to the very basics of everything's usually framed nicely. You know, the cameras are all in the right place at the right time, which is not necessarily a guarantee for some movies of lesser quality. Everything is decently lit. The the mood is there. We don't know what mood it is, but there is a mood. There is a story that is trying to be told. I guess the question is, you know, where did we lose the story? Do we never have one to begin with? Did it get lost in editing? There's so much editing that had to go into the Renegade edition. Everything from Corda and Reno argued back in the past that there's no reason to go after Connor since he's old and he's just going to die anyway. They are, by the way, apparently the only smart ones in the movie. The entire sequence with them going to the future, that sequence happens after Louise and Connor meet. So even stuff like that had to be changed around and they had to add back in dialogue to reflect the fact that Connor knows he's immortal when he first meets Louise. It's just little things like that had to be added in. And there's so many examples where they're unable to do things like that or add little bits into it to make things make sense again. Yeah, I just, I wonder if there was a relatively competent slash comprehensive script or story where it's like, yeah, okay. All right, they're actually from another world, fine, whatever. And then that just got absolutely blasted because everything else in this movie is kind of on point. There's really nothing wrong with the ingredients other than the story and and so on and so forth. That's about it. The sets are gorgeous. There are some incredible and incredibly like over-the-top Paul Verhoeven-like blood effects and these dudes get decapitated and... It all looks fun on the screen and well done. You know, they got that fight on a train and there's a train in this alleyway and they must have had to build the alleyway. And it's it's all before the CGI extravaganza of, of these days. So it's, it's all practical. Those things are physical things that exist and they are all extremely well done. And yet here we are. The whole cake is missing the flower and it, it cannot rise to the level of good movie because of it. And they're both bad for different reasons. It feels like the original one, so full disclosure, I ended up watching the original on YouTube afterwards. The original one is almost delightful in its complete, uncaring attitude towards Highlander and everything to do with it. The Renegade Edition is more enjoyable. It's almost enjoyable in its utter incoherence. It's a fun, bad movie with friends or cats. What about Cat Friends? Also Cat It's not a good movie. So it's like, it's not, if you are a Highlander fan, it's not a satisfying Highlander movie. It's not, if you're a movie fan, it's still not a satisfying movie experience. There are things that you will enjoy out of it. I I loved sort of the the practical filmmaking stuff and, and seeing how much work a lot of people had to put into this for it to just be Highlander 2. The series just never made it to the heights of the first movie. The television show sort of comes close on occasion. The TV show has elements and episode and portions of it that actually work quite well. It is undermined by the fact it has an entire season that is atrocious as they fished to create spinoffs. There is a question about whether or not media 
can be just disposable, whether or not it has to justify its existence somehow. The Highlander franchise is a great example of all of that. I just think it's such a shame that clearly there was a lot of love and like people were having fun and and people were doing their jobs. The the day-to-day nitty-gritty of making a move, that was all done pretty well by everybody who had to do something with what you see on screen that had to be built, that had to be acted, that had to be... It sounds fine, you know? All those components are there, but then nobody's going to see it because it's Highlander 2. Well, you can see it now for free on Tubi and on YouTube, apparently. We watched it on Amazon Prime. Again, we watched it more than once because too much time had passed in between as we hit the holidays and a variety of things happened. You made me watch Highlander 2 twice. That's what love is. Speaking of things we love... I am going to my mother's. We love each other so much that we're going to do this again in two weeks. We are. Final comments. I think if we're sort of looking at wrapping up the Highlander 2 experience, I would not have said, oh boy, yippee, I get to watch Highlander 2 again. If we had to watch Highlander 2 again, I'd need a little, you know, time... Like, I, I'm still healing from from the first sort of experience. My brain still hurts. But I would watch Highlander 2 again. There are things in it that I like. I love all the, the work that people put into it. I love seeing the visual things that they put on the screen. It Again, it looks like a Batman movie. It's incredible. It's just, it's a weird kind of fanfic that somebody had all these characters and just said, okay, well, wouldn't it be cool if they were on another planet? Wouldn't it be cool if they were actually from a different time? And like, yeah, uh, well, what's-his-face is dead, but that's fine. We, we can bring him back. It's fine. That's fine. I want I want him in my fanfic. We need to have Rodriguez in the fanfic for the and, fans. And somehow this didn't kill the franchise nearly as much as Highlander 5, the source, would. There's something to be said about this movie wasn't good, it wasn't well-received, and essentially nobody saw it, but at least they were willing to try again. Well, and also, movies have changed quite quite drastically. You know, it used to be that uh, you, make, uh, you make a little movie, you make three million bucks, that's pretty good. You profited three million bucks, but they didn't all have to be a billion dollars opening week. To be fair, the original movie was not a huge success initially. It took quite a bit of time for it to really take off. It did modestly well. It did do well enough that they wanted a sequel pretty quickly, even though there was five years in between. But a lot of that was issues, as we've sort of related with Argentina. <laughs> yeah, that, that, oh boy. To be fair, though, and a lot of the actors who worked on it, and in particular, I mean, Virginia Madison mentioned it, who wouldn't want to be paid to spend a few weeks in Argentina with Sean Connery? Does it have to be with Sean Connery? Well, he was in the movie. The point is, yes, you're, there with, you're there with a quite famous actor who I think a lot of people would love to hang out with. I would. Is it, I, I, I am reserving all comments about all actors until I can Google them, because these days, you just you just got to be careful, you know? Uh, no, I mean, I, I've, I remember only hearing decent things about Sean Connery for a man from his time, of his age. Who was James Bond. Who was James Bond. Well known as a very one-woman man. Uh, I'm sure he's a delight. Uh, I wouldn't mind spending three weeks in Argentina without Sean Connery. 
Hint. Nudge. Nudge. No. No. What are we going to spend two hours watching, roughly? You don't have to... You don't have to give it away. You don't have to say the title or anything like that. Maybe just a hint. Whatever you want, really. What are we going to be talking about in two weeks' time? Well, you know, it's funny. I'm I'm a big fan of art. I enjoy art. And in New York, in the 1980s, when New York was still this grubby, cheap place to live where you could, as a young woman, move to this, this mecca metropolis with the equivalent of 500 bucks in your pocket and make it, man. And boy, did she ever make it. She's hanging out with Basquiat. She's hanging out with Keith Haring. She's fronting her own band. She's making music. She's doing incredible, incredible things. And she would just catapult to heights of stardom that may never see again. Probably will, but certainly... Not quite at the time, not since stars like Cher, eclipsing even Cher, perhaps, for a brief, sad moment in time. And right at the cusp of the new millennium, right as we as a species were advancing onwards. If you want to get to it before the next millennium, yeah, that'd be cool. Right as we were on the cusp of the next millennium, Madonna would sing a song that was made specifically for... The James Bond film, Die Another Day. Boom, I'm going to make you watch it. I'm going to make you watch it. You got to watch it now. You have to watch it now. You made me watch Highlander 2 twice. You have to watch Die Another Day with me. You have to. And I'm going to point out, I'm going to point out all my favorite scenes. And I'm going to point out the scene where it looks like the sun is chasing him. Like Milhouse uh, gets chased by the hole in the ozone layer in The Simpsons, and that's an ozone reference. And hey, look at that, Highlander too. Everything is connected, is what I'm saying. The world is beautiful. Everything's connected. All right. So I as I mute my desktop audio, so I don't have to listen to any of this anymore. A little teeny tiny gold record for for Madonna, who Lord, um, she's and still that's, going. that's true. Actually, that's true. She would. She was just there. It's incredible to have been. In a any case, the wall. that will be two weeks from now. In the meantime, <laughs> feel free to share the UpNerd Podcast Network with anyone who you think might be interested. Feel free to leave a comment. We can be found at UpNerd Podcast on Twitter or X or whatever it's called by the time this is published. Found on Facebook, UpNerd Podcasts. You can email us at upnerdpodcasts at gmail.com Please note it is podcasts uh, with an S. It's in not case podcasts. I No, I typed it wrong yet in the it is not one intro. I've corrected it, so it shouldn't it should say that be. anymore. No. It is not podcasts, but it should be. It is podcasts. Upnerd podcasts. We have a Patreon. One of the tiers you can actually listen to us as we watch the film that will be something going forward which oh boy does that mean i'm gonna have to watch highlander oh man yeah i should make you rewatch it a third time just so that we can put it up retroactively and then we gotta pretend to be you're sorry you have to pretend to be surprised by everything uh that should be an extra reward tier or something that we make that up in any case i have been the uneven flow formerly known as nightbeat 
sometimes currently known as Night Pete. Yeah, what am I going to call you? This is my co-host, Abby. Evie? Uneven flow, Eve? Call you Eve. Just mute your mic. (laughs) Forever. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed this. Like I say, leave a comment. Like, comment, subscribe, whatever. Thank you again to my co-host. And have a great rest of your day. You wanted this to be a nice, positive podcast. And look at you now. Look at what you're doing. You're falling back into the Al Bundy. Oh, I hate my wife. I hate my poor wife. My poor wife. That's what you sound like, by the way. My poor wife. I was going to say, that's what Al Bundy sounds like to you. That's what you sound like. I'm doing an incredible impression of you. It's my poor wife. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.